RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Episode 2, Enlightenment on the Enterprise. Memo from David Gerald, October 27th, 1986. Support for the Trek Files comes from our friends at Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection. Get the first Starship in the collection, Star Trek The Next Generation's Enterprise D, for only $4.95 with free shipping when you sign up now at st-starships.com slash the Trek Files. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome, Trek Deep Divers, and thanks for joining us again for another deep dive into some interesting <laughs> and enlightening documents that are coming out of Gene Roddenberry's files. Today we have an interesting one. It's a memo actually from David Gerald. But it's in the seminal days, actually just a little over 31 years ago, at a time when the new Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, had barely been announced and basically included a circle of Gene Roddenberry, Bob Justman, David Gerald, and Eddie Milkus, the post-production producer. That was literally the circle of people, creatives, meeting every day at lunch to see some screenings and to start writing memos back and forth to each other. Star Trek The Next Generation had been announced by Paramount, but there was barely little on paper, much less on film. Uh, none on film, as a matter of fact. And today's archival document we have is a memo entitled Enlightenment on the Enterprise. Uh, some thoughts from David Gerald about the mound of ideas that were starting to be generated by all these gentlemen that would go into the eventual show Bible. Just, just brainstorming by paper. But one sentence, one sentence of this memo, one little corner of it just leaped off the page at me, and I wanted to share it with you. Perhaps also we might demonstrate how they applied this in their day-to-day -day lives. Given a problem, our characters might spend a moment looking at the philosophical underpinnings of it. For instance, a Vulcan might suggest that saying, we come in peace, is a clear statement that they are a warlike species. It's practically like carrying a bell and a sign that says, Unclean, beware of the leper. We'll be right back after a short word from our sponsor. Star Trek fans, your ships have come in. The official Star Trek Starships collection from Eagle Moss is the ultimate collection of the most significant vessels from across the Star Trek universe, from the original series to Star Trek Beyond and Beyond. Each ship is cast in a specially formulated metallic resin and hand-painted with reference to actual production models. Each also comes with a display base and collector's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, original design sketches, and a breakdown of technology on board. Start your collection today with the USS Enterprise 1701D for only $4.95 with free shipping. New models ship twice monthly, and you may cancel your subscription at any time. For details on the entire collection and to order, visit st-starships.com slash thetrackfiles. Make it so at st-starships.com slash thetrackfiles.
Now, if you've been following Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> We Come in Peace is, is kind of the, uh, the subtextual warning alert, <laughs> red alert for the Klingons, Takovma's followers, and the growing body of Klingon unity, uh, and, and some of the underlying subtext of what is motivating the entire Klingon subplot of this season of Discovery. Uh, this is a memo from October 27th, 1986. It's otherwise about some philosophical underpinnings that should be part of life aboard the modern starship as, as the next generation tried to project what a Star Trek that wasn't Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in a rehash of the Enterprise or even a little further into the future. 80 years into the future, and, and how would how would Star Trek's universe have changed in that span of time, and how would how had we as a people matured in the 20 years since the original Star Trek had been produced. And back with me to talk about that and and marvel at the irony of this memo is my good friend and our guest co-host today, John Champion. You know him from Mission Log Podcast. Uh, John, did that just leap off the page at YouTube? That is a remarkable document. And and here's what I really love about this. So this is uh, it's a memo, like you said, written from David Gerald to Gene Roddenberry to Eddie Milkus mm-hmm. and Bob Jussman. Um, and, of course, those three are no longer with us, Gene, Eddie, and, uh, and Bob Jussman. And this was something that came in. I, I kind of get the impression in those early pre-production and, and really development days for Next Gen, it was a lot of lunch meetings and it was a lot of notes just kind of going back and forth to Gene's office he didn't necessarily generate a lot of notes himself. Um, but this is something that really has not seen the light of day in over 30 years. And for, for I mean, first of all, if you read the rest of the document, you get into all this other stuff about how the crew will, will handle philosophical questions or, or ethical questions. But that one line, we come in peace, is a clear statement that we are a warlike species – that is remar- That is the opening of Star Trek Discovery. And, and I'm here mm-hmm. to tell you that this is a coincidence. That this is <laughs> not, you know, that this document, as far as we know, has not been seen by anyone. And David Gerald was no longer working on uh, Star Trek uh, The Next Generation after the first season. Um, a lot of these well, people. Early in the first season. Early in the first season. Yeah, Bob Justman, Eddie Milkus as well. Um, it, this has been buried, has not been seen. How prescient and how perfect of a description of that starting off point for a brand new series. I, and I meant to say that, underline this. Uh, Bob Justman's memos were legendary in the original series. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were highlighted in the making of Star Trek. Um, when he was called in with this small, uh, trusted old, old-timers yeah, <laughs> crew right. to help Gene launch The Next Generation, um, he, he – Went down the same path. He generated tons and tons and tons of memos. A lot of them he shared with me when I wrote The Next Generation Companion. A lot of them have been out there in auction since. A lot of people have, have been getting very familiar with Bob and his sense of humor. But a lot of the, the things he contributed to the early the early brainstorming for Next Generation. I had not seen any of David's memos at the time and up till now until we, we found this. We dug through and, and this came to life. This and several other ones. The memos ostensibly – about maintaining your your underpinnings, which is interesting also given in light of mm. all, actually all the shows. We mm-hmm. always see our characters put into philosophical dilemmas that push push what it means to be – what's the Roddenberry vision? What's the Federation ideal? It, it, some of the best drama is when we see our people push to that. And boy, Discovery is doing it like <laughs> none other so far. 
And one of the solutions here was um, talking about basically recharging, recharging their ethical stock, their moral stock, having a retreat. This this, uh, memo is postulating maybe the captain should have a retreat space aboard the Enterprise um, where they can go and remind themselves of their mission and their vision. Now, at simplest, you might say, well, that's maybe what his ready room turned into. Right, right. Or that that conference room. Right, right. And the observation lounge. Right. We'd always had a briefing room. Yeah. But that's that's even a a more philosophical space. Right. And in fact – you know, one of the one of the nicks about the next generation is people, and early on about Picard that my now it's settled into most a humorous meme. But when we're talking about ongoing criticisms of shows back in the day, it was oh well, Kirk would just get out and do it, and Picard goes and calls a staff meeting, right? And that was one of the early you know little little meme nicks. And the last paragraph of this even says. Uh, the the characters might sit and brainstorm, and the captain might keep saying, "What else is possible here?" Over and over while they brainstorm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. setting up even that meme. Yeah. But for David to have just pulled that pulled that one uh, example out, "We come in peace" is a statement that remember that could have the exact opposite it, connotation, and that's exactly what they pulled and ran with. Yeah, devising it, Klingons for discovery. It's sort of like. Meeting somebody for the first time that you don't trust, and then they say, "Trust me," mm-hmm. um, and you do the exact opposite, right? Or <laughs> believe know? me, yeah, right, right. Believe, <laughs> believe me. me, yeah. No, no, no. I'm afraid now that you have ruined that opportunity for me to believe you. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's incredible to me that they would because we come in peace as a sort of classic trope of science fiction, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that that he would be insightful enough to say, what would that sound like hearing it on the other end? We think that that's what we would say, but there's no way that, that just those few words, those four words, would actually have the intended effect. Um, so I, I, I love how thoughtful he is here about that. Right. I mean, I immediately think of Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely, and, and yeah. it's and there the onus is on the, the those being visited, not the visitors. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. We come in peace, you know, and uh-huh. uh, so start shooting, start shooting. <laughs> yeah, right. you know. or yeah. the mirror universe of Zephyr and Cochran. Yeah, yeah, and and this came out, like I said, October twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six. So we're nearly a full year out from the premiere of Star Trek: The Next Generation. About mm-hmm. eleven months, almost to the day. Literally, the four names on this memo. Yeah. Are the only people on payroll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Show. That's it. Right. That's it. Yeah. Um, so kind of kind of remarkable that we're seeing something that early um, in the, the genesis of the show here. And I love that we're getting this little taste. We didn't necessarily get that. We, we don't get the thing about We Come in Peace until now 30 years later. <laughs> right. But the other stuff that he's pointing out in this memo, uh, having that uh, – he doesn't say the ready room, but this this retreat, this place that they can talk, and then setting the tone for the show. Gerald is clearly identifying something that wasn't necessarily right or believable about the original Star Trek series, where, right. uh, whereas you said Kurt just sort of running off and doing something. It, it's that that cartoon from a couple of years ago of Spock saying "Don't do the thing" and Kirk saying "I'm going to do the thing." <laughs> you know? right, right. Yeah, yeah. And and what David Gerald is pointing out here is saying, well, we have to actually stop and think about what we're doing, you know, and we have to take opinions before the captain can make a decision. Right. I mean, the original series had the briefing room. They mm-hmm. did go in and have staff meetings. 
story-wise, structurally, it seems that was usually a time when almost like the guest star <laughs> crewman <laughs> or civilian or what have you, Starfleet visitor, would come in and present information. Yeah. I mean, one of the few times I can actually remember them debating a choice was the famous, risk is our business. Right. They right. actually sat and debated whether or not to yeah. join to join with those beings. Um, and yeah, it became much more a prevalent... Uh, a prevalent concept in the next generation. Of course, structurally helping that was the fact that they put, instead of having the briefing room down somewhere in the bowels of the ship that they all had to tromp down to, mm-hmm. the observation lounge of the, of the D was right behind the bridge. They could yep. immediately go go there. And as we get into the early evolution of the show, that was supposed to be a much more shirt sleeves, living room informality to that bridge mm-hmm. uh, and, and and that meeting space. And um, again, that's, yeah, that's exactly what, what was unique, more unique about uh, The Next Generation than the original series. And David, you know, had written two books, at least, one book especially, where he, and I cited at the beginning of The Next Gen Companion, where he was some of the tropes of the original series. Let's not let's not have the transporter break down. Let's not have the captain beam down. Right. Some of those right. things that had had 15, 20 years of people to to digest and realize yeah. weren't were just shortcuts of, of drama. Right. Right. Um, but here they are forging ahead. And uh, but boy, we come in yeah. peace. Yeah. It just yeah. rang out. Yeah. <laughs> in a way that a year ago it wouldn't have. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's kind of the magic of of finding these documents. And. Um, Absolutely. I, it, you know, I, I try to put myself in in the shoes of of this handful of people. Like you said, these are the only four people who are on the payroll of Star Trek at this moment. You know, um, I believe you have Susan Sackett in the office and right. in Gene Roddenberry's office. Um, but really, that's it. And and this is the brain trust then that is creating everything that we know of Next Generation. The the tone, the feel, the characters, the missions, the style of this show. We're is handing you the keys. Right here. Yeah. But you get to design your own car to go around them. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and they they have the benefit of now 20 years hindsight. Exactly. Where obviously Gene did not have that in 1964 when he's first putting down pen to paper to determine what the Star Trek world is going to be. He just gets to make it up off of whole cloth. Here we are 20 years later, after the show's been on, after it's had a couple of iterations, and these people get to really pick apart what works, what doesn't, what needs to change, right. what needs to be new for a 1980s Star Trek. All the, all the, uh, how, how often do you get a second chance, as more than one right. character has said before, right. to catch lightning in a bottle again? Yeah. And, and uh, how often do you get the chance to not have it just be a sequel that has to be churned out? Because that's the other thing going on here is they were so... There were a lot of people that never thought this would get off the ground. Mm-hmm. Apparently, none mm-hmm. of the actors thought they would go more than one year, if yeah. that long. Yeah. Um, people, because as and Rick Berman has said since, so sequels, much less science fiction sequels, are notorious. Um, Star Trek, thankfully, keeps you know between the Wrath of Khan as a movie, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and uh, the Next Generation as a series has bucked that trend. But yeah, uh, yeah they were they were on an uphill battle here. Um, and this could either have been very, very bad <laughs> and gone down in flames, in phaser flames, or uh, or blossomed to what it became. And, and as we know, it was pretty wobbly the first year or two yeah. due to a whole host of reasons. But uh, not for lack of some some real taking stock. And uh, kudos to everybody involved that did that. 
again, uh, Bob Justman's input has been undercredited, but a lot of his memos have been out there seeing this memo from David, and we'll hopefully get to a few more as we go along, um, is really adding to our understanding and awareness of what was going on in those times, too. All right, guys, if you want to see the document, go over to facebook.com slash the Trek files. You can read the whole thing there and uh, weigh in what you think about, uh, about what David wrote in the early days of Next Generation. And, uh, yeah, you can check out all the other documents there that have been published and will be published for the Trek Files. Right, guys. Thanks for thanks for stopping by and thinking what We Come in Peace means <laughs> 30 years after it was originally pointed out here as a story concept. Thanks again for taking this, uh, this mini-voyage with us today. See you next time, and uh, we'll see you back here on the Trek Files. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry, additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47 at larrynimichek.com. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network